Life is beautiful. In fact, I'd say it's a gift. But it's not always easy. Some of the hardest things I ever went through, I felt like I was so alone. But I've come to realize, as humans, we are all going through the same things. Humans are meant to feel things. And in some of these dark times, I found people like me who understand me, who support me. And you know, that's where the idea of this podcast came from. Humans sharing human experiences. The good, the bad, and everything in between. I'm Tanya Crump, and this is People Like Me. Okay, did you guys hear that? I finally added an intro. Now, do I love this intro? No. Does it serve the purpose while we come up with something better? Yes. So let me know what you think about that. Is it too dramatic? Because I feel like it definitely is very dramatic. Very, ooh. <laughs> Last week I took a break and I did not make any podcast. I apologize. Um, I was going through a breakup on top of my own mental health issues. So I was just struggling with finding the time and energy and motivation to make one. Luckily, this week I'm feeling a lot better. Thanks for asking. So this week's topic is what a psych ward was really like. And I really paced around my bedroom for like 45 minutes wondering, do I really want to put this on the internet? Because one, you never know who's going to hear it. Two, this was like years ago. Three, it brings up bad memories. Four, I really don't want people to think I am a lunatic. But if someone who needs help hears this and it makes them want to get help and be less scared to get help, then my job is complete. So that's where the good in this comes from. Um, I'm going to warn you in advance. If you are 18 and under, please don't listen to this. If you have you know, had experiences with mental health issues, viewer, or (laughs) this is a podcast, listener discretion is very much so advised. Like, there's going to be some deep, dark things on here. And I will try to watch my language and make sure everything I say, I, you know, don't offend anyone. You know, I'm really a lover of TikTok. I hate that I am so addicted to TikTok. But you know that TikTok where it's like, I'm straight out of the middle hospital. Ning, 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 ning. That's one of my favorite videos. And she's got her little slippy socks on. And I'm like, that is a mood. Another one I really like is the, ooh, I'm mentally ill. Like, Gosh, I have found my people on TikTok. All of us mentally ill people, like, we connect. Nobody knows what we've been through but us. No one can obsess over slippy socks other than us. It's quite a support network, if we're being honest. So there's very much different types of mental health facilities, um... I'm going to share my experiences because I can't speak on behalf of every mental health facility, 
or everyone else's experience in one. But I was a freshman in high school the first time I went to one, and it was attached to a hospital. So it was basically a mental hospital. I was struggling with a lot of undiagnosed mental health issues and truly had no desire to continue going. Um, So I did get taken to a hospital. Um, I had no idea what to expect. This is going to be really personal, but I promised you guys I would be vulnerable and try to get through this. You first kind of have to meet with a psychologist and a psychiatrist while you're in the emergency room. And if you are a harm to yourself or others and you are under the age of 18, you have no say in really where you go or what rights you have. So even if Tanya Crump was like, nah, I don't want to go, Tanya Crump was going. Um, And I unfortunately was a threat to myself. So I had to say bye to my phone, bye to my clothes, bye to basically everything I had with me. And that was a weird thing in itself. I feel like people should be prepared for that if they are under the age of 18. So once you've been evaluated and you kind of have a bed open up for you upstairs, um, you finally can go to your treatment plan. Unfortunately, the time I was going, there was not a lot of openings. So I spent a good couple of days in the emergency room. I watched a lot of (laughs) Judge Judy and... I could not shower, so by the time I made it upstairs, I smelt like absolute crap. Mind you, I was in an adolescent psych ward, so this is so different than have you been an adult getting treated. Um, Everyone that I was with was a teenager. Um, If you're above the 18 mark, you have to go to the adult center, but I was like, 15 or 16. So when I first got up there, I got some scrubs. Um, I got searched. Oh, yes, they will search you. They will stick your hand in your butt crack. They will make sure you have nothing that can hurt you. No drugs, no nothing. Like, you will have to bend over and touch your toes like you are in prison. It is very unpleasant, but it's protocol. I then got assigned a room, and my room had a bed, a little nightstand with a Bible on it, and that was my furniture. And then I had a window with the skyline of the city, which was absolutely beautiful, and at night you literally have nothing to do but look out at the city. So I loved that. Um... The window was barred up. That's kind of creepy, but it's so true. And my bathroom, um, it did not have a door. Um, Your shower does not have a door. You have these special drains to where you cannot hurt yourself. You cannot burn yourself. You cannot do anything like that. And you will have a security guard outside watching you 24-7. So say goodbye to your privacy, which this is all for the good, but to Little Miss sheltered me, 
I I don't know. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Another thing I was not used to was this must be like a universal psych ward thing, but they would come take your blood at like four in the morning and they weren't nice about it. They would flip your light on, turn you over. I'm like, what? And then they would take your blood and your vitals. And I'm like, could y'all do this at any other time? Evidently not. So I was not used to that. I remember my first morning, I had zero idea what to expect. Um, You wake up, you wait in this line, you have to get your vitals checked 24-7 all the time. And you would take your medication. And then if you did that, you could have your breakfast. We had a menu where you could pick between one option or the other. Altogether, it was shitty food, but, you know, at least you had an option. I was very cut off, which there's people obviously being treated there for bazillions of different things like eating disorders, but they do weigh your food and you must eat it all. And if you think you can trade food with one of your residents, think twice because you will get in trouble. So it's good to eat, even though it tasted bad. Um, I remember my first meal was so bad, and I was like, crap, I got to do this for two whole weeks? I guess so. Now you have like a schedule of like what your day is going to be like. So you have all of these different group therapies, some individual meetings, and some recreational time, um you pretty much know what you're doing. You very much have little free time other than in the evening. Like your day is jam-packed. The only thing that's kind of like how you would imagine on TV is the whole everybody let's sit in a circle and explain while we're here. That was like very unexpected because at the time I had no idea why I was there other than I had no willpower to live. But hearing everyone's story and like realizing people were hearing and feeling and just going through the same things as me was comforting. So it was more like an acceptance thing that I struggled with was accepting I needed help. And I did end up staying at the hospital two or three more times after that. But my first time I did not accept help. I remember working with a social worker and I just was not liking what she said, and I took my chair and flung it across the room and stormed out because I didn't even want to be there in the first place. Like, I didn't think I had an issue. I knew I was sad, but I didn't think I had an issue. You had lots of, like, therapy sessions, so... There is music therapy, which was cringy. Like, you would sit in a circle and use children's toys to make music. Um, First of all, that's not ideal, but it was something we did. Um, We did a lot of, like, DBT, CBT therapy, um, relationship skills, those kind of therapies, but more about creating your own coping skills, um listening to other people. We did do a lot of coloring. Oh my God, coloring. Coloring is like the shit when you're in the hospital. Like everybody was coloring. And, you know, 
when your parents or whoever was allowed to visit you could visit you, tell them to bring a coloring book and crayons. We could not have anything but crayons. So we just colored like all the time. I used to hate art and coloring, but when that's basically all you can do, you learn to love it. Now, if you're wondering, which I have no idea what it's like if you're an adult with a job, but when you were in high school, we still had school. So we would go into this little classroom for an hour a day and you could either use a computer or you would communicate with the teacher and the teacher would reach out to your school and get all of your missing schoolwork. So you could still feel like you're staying caught up and you know, work on that. But most of us were so stressed and so sad that school was not a focus. So it was more something to give people a thing to do. But that is a good question I get asked. Yes, we did still have school while we were there. One of my most memorable experiences was rec time. Um, Like I said, there's like windows, but During your two to three week stay, you will not see fresh air. You will not go outside. None of that. Um, Our recreation building was like this little painted green barred up gym on the top of the roof. And you could walk the track. You could play badminton. You could play air hockey and ping pong. And that was about it. And you got an hour a day to do that. And, you know, us depressed people, we would get ugly in badminton. We did not play nice. Um, It was just a disaster. And they gave us a speaker and an iPod that we could play music from. So do y'all remember when that song, Just Sold On, We're Going Home by Drake came out? I don't know what it's really called. Um, It is called Hold On, We're Going Home. I don't know. Uh, That song had just come out. And that was like the only song we listened to. And we would listen to it on repeat and on repeat and on repeat. So now every time I hear that song, I am triggered. But in the best way possible. But let me tell you, when you would walk around that track and you would hear the gossip, that's where you really found out why people were there and what the fuck they did to get there, if that makes sense. I'm not going to say anybody's name for privacy and legal reasons, but there were some people there that had stories. I found a group of people that had gotten in trouble at a party. Instead of going to juvie, they put them in the mental hospital. Were these people mentally ill? Probably not. Did they need to be there? Absolutely not. But were they funny? Yes. And they were my kind of people. Now, there were people that were treated for more serious things like schizophrenia, addiction, this and that. And those people's stories, I don't even want to share because they're just very personal and private. But I always thought my mental health issues were the worst. And then I hear these people like, can you imagine? But basically, long story short, wreck time is where you got all the gossip. You knew everybody's bullshit. Everybody wouldn't lie to you there. I eventually, during my stay, did get a roommate, and we were kind of there for the same issue, which was very nice. And I will never forget this girl. I remember her name. I remember exactly what she looks like. Um, We had nothing to do in the evenings, so we would jump on the beds 
and we would play concert. Like, we're literally high schoolers, but we would, like, make up dances and songs and have little concerts to different songs that were on the radio. And to all the, like, you know, guards that would watch you 24-7, we were the source of entertainment. We put on shows for them people, and people started gathering around our room to watch our little shows. It was like a sleepover every night with that girl, and we would journal together, like, God, that place sucked, but she made it ten times more okay. I later found out that she did not get past her mental health journey, and I think about that all the time. That is something when you go to these places you have to be aware of is some people don't make it. And, whew, this is hard. That's hard. The hospital's there to get you stable, but they have zero control over what happens to you when you get out. Sorry, I'm getting all emotional. The point of these places is to help line up the resources and get you stable. It is not long-term care. Basically, they want to get you so you're in a place where you're not going to hurt someone or yourself. You have a psychiatrist lined up, a psychologist lined up, some group therapy lined up. And if you have a bad living situation or bad home situation or whatever it is you're in, that you have a plan for when you get out of there. But once you are out of there, you are out of their control. So that's basically where my mental health journey started was the hospital. Had I not been there, I would not have gotten half of the things that I needed. Like I've been going with my therapist and psychiatrist now for seven years strong. I love these women. They will be at my graduation. They're everything. But had I not gone to the hospital, I would have never found these people. While the hospital was a scary place, It was also the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, Because had I not gone there, I would not be alive today. And there's some things you should also know. You are going to meet some of the most supportive people. And you are going to feel so unalone. But you should not and cannot, and they will tell you, do not make friends there. For the same reason about my roommate, that's how I found out about her, was we secretly got each other's phone numbers. And now I understand why they do that. It's just a relatable place. Like, this is about to be so weird, but obviously while you're there, you cannot shave or have razors of any kind. So us girls every day would sit down and compare who had the longest leg hair and armpit hair, which is really bizarre that like, oh, we're bonding over this, but... You really have nothing else to bond over, so you might as well. Had I not gone to the hospital, I would not appreciate Cheerios as much as I appreciate them. My friends now know, like, if Tanya's eating Cheerios, she's probably going through it. It's like my happy food, but it also brings me back to the hospital. And I don't know, it's called Cheerios. You're supposed to be cheery. But that was like the only snack I would eat there. And so... 
Cheerios, like I looked forward to my daily Cheerios because that was at snack time and you couldn't eat when you felt like it. you had to eat on their time. So those Cheerios would hold me through the day. So if you're ever wondering why I love Cheerios so much, that is why. While I was in the hospital, I also had a preacher come pray to me every single day. And during that time, I was very unfaithful to my religion. I believed, why would God give somebody mental illness? Why would God do this? I was blaming God for everything, but having someone pray for me, like that was the closest to Christ I was, was when I had gotten in there. And I truly think that is one of the things that saved my life. So that is a memory I will never forget. I keep having to stop and take breaks because this probably will be one of the most emotional and hard podcasts I've ever made. I don't not feel comfortable talking about the hospital, but it's like one of those memories that I try to shove way back in the back of my head. So planning and analyzing this, this has been harder than I thought. I remember the first time I got out and you know, you're up in a tower for three weeks, no contact with air. I laid in the grass and I cried because it just felt so good to feel somewhat human again and put on my own clothes, my little pink monogram sweatshirt, my Victoria's Secret yoga pants, and some Crocs. I remember what I wore the day I walked out of that place. I also remember my first meal. We had IHOP. And when I tell you I licked the plate clean, I had. And then I had to go home and have my parents shave my legs. But, you know, I felt human, and that is all that mattered was I was okay again. Now, I continued to have to go back, but now, through my therapist and everything, I don't see myself going somewhere like that again. However, I am in the works of trying to go back and get some more individualized therapy at a different type of mental health facility. The thing about mental illness, though, is it doesn't just go away. Like, you don't wake up and not have it. This is something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life, and as much as that makes me want to sob, I'm okay, and I'm at peace with it. The hospital gave me the stepping stones. It helped me understand what I had, how we could fix it, and how I could live with it. And seven years later, I'm still working on these things. But if you know someone that is struggling, tell them that I told you that it's not scary. There are parts of it are scary, yes. Will people get angry? Yes. Will you see someone get tranquilized? Maybe. That's the scary part, but the crazy part is how you can have a totally different outlook on life in just three weeks. I am so thankful somebody intervened that day. I tried to end it all because I wouldn't be here, and I am so glad I had that second chance of life. And even when things get tough today, I wake up and I'm so grateful that I'm alive today. And if I can help anyone, I truly think that is my sole purpose in life. And I've been on this soul search for so long. I think my purpose is to help people who struggle with mental health issues. 
I love talking about it. I try to be open and transparent. Even though, as you can hear in my shaky voice, this was the hardest thing for me to ever make a podcast about. I'm so glad I did. The next thing I want you all to do is if you have pen and a paper or if you have your notes app on your phone, please put the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in your phone. That number is 1-800-273-8255, also the acronym TALK, and they now have a live online chat. Um, It's open 24 hours a day. There's trained crisis workers seven days a week, and it's toll-free, and it will get you to the nearest crisis center, and they can lead you to the right place to get your help. Um, Let me see what other hotlines I have. Another good one I have is the Dating Abuse and Domestic Violence Hotline. That is 1-866-331-9474. The Eating Disorder Hotline, um, it is 1-800-931-2237. And lastly, I have the General Crisis Text Line, which is good for some people because I get really anxious talking on the phone and talking about my problems. But you can text the number or the word SUPPORT, in all caps, to 741-741. And their goal is to help you calm down and come up with a plan to keep you safe and then guide you to the places you need. These are such important numbers, and there are so many more online. And I hope if you can take anything away from this podcast is getting help is not scary and it is brave and it is powerful, and every single life on this earth matters, and your life isn't finished yet. Your life is only starting. So my DMs are always going to be open for anyone that needs to talk. My Instagram handle is at Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, G, Crump, C-R-U-M-P, underscore. I am happy to talk to anyone or help anyone get the resources they might need. Now, next week, we actually have a really fun topic. So I promise you guys, it's not always hell on this podcast. Um, We are going to be talking about things that are awkward for absolutely no freaking reason. Like, you know, when you're walking through a restaurant to go to the bathroom and you feel like all eyes are on you, like, why is that so awkward? Or when you're trying to get the ping pong ball and beer pong, why is that so awkward? I am very excited for that podcast, and it will definitely be more lighthearted than this one. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable and brave and honest with you all. I love each and every one of you, and I pray that whatever you're going through, you have the resources you need. See you in a week. Bye.